You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. So we're continuing our series called Starting Over, and we're talking about regrets, and something that is universal is regret. We all have regrets. It doesn't matter if you're young. It doesn't matter if you've been around a long time. We all have regrets. It's something that we all feel, something we all face. And this season, we may regret being a Steelers fan, right? Because we're like, we're on the third string, but hey, they're going to do it. I actually have more faith in our third string now. He looks awesome. I'm like, maybe the second guy shouldn't come back. Let's give this guy a chance, right? But if we're really talking about regret, in Pittsburgh. Let's just talk about the Pirates for a moment, right? I mean, there's some serious regret there. I, mean, I don't even know what's going on anymore, but there is some hope. The Pens, right? The Pens have a winning record. Last night they won. They snapped a three-game losing streak. They're back in it, right? So come on, Pens, let's go. But we have regret as sports fans. And speaking of sports, is there anyone in here Show of hands, be brave. Any Olympic fans in here? Anyone like the Olympics? Come on, I can't be the only one. I love the Olympics. Some of you are like, hands way up. Some of your spouse like, you better put your hand up because you know you're up there all night watching. You know, it'll be like in the middle of the night, the sports that no one even cares about. It's like three in the morning and that's when it's televised and you're watching it because you just can't get enough of the Olympics. And the Olympics have been over for a while. And does anyone, anyone a geek like me with the Olympics, does anyone know where the Summer Olympics, they're coming up next year. Does anyone know where they are? Summer Olympics, anybody? Tokyo, yeah, that's right. Tokyo 2020, Summer Olympics are coming up. Anyone really, really a geek like me, you know where the next Winter Olympics are coming up in 2022. Anybody? Beijing. They're back in China again. Yeah, that's right. And so someone for me, I, I admire a lot of Olympic athletes. There's, there's a lot of athletes who I'd really admire, really amazing stories of perseverance, overcoming, really at the top of their game. But for me, one stands out in this last season, and that was Michael Phelps. Anybody a Michael Phelps fan? I mean, this dude is unbelievable. He has won 23, unprecedented, unprecedented, 23 gold medals, not even just medal count total, 23 gold medals. That is absolutely unbelievable. Does anyone remember during the Rio Olympics last time he had the Phelps face? We got a picture of it here. Anyone remember the Phelps face picture that made the great meme um, Phelps face? Remember this? See the dude, you can just barely see the dude in the green and the yellow there. He was like in his zone, like trying to mess with him, like he's not going to get this gold medal. And Michael Phelps was just in the zone, right? And they keep putting this on TV as the Phelps face. He was just in the zone, listening to his music. He was, he was ready to go. But see, what's amazing is that that guy didn't mess with him. He actually went in. He won the gold medal, 23. It's unbelievable, the story that happened. But the thing that's most interesting about his story is how things might have turned out for him. And it might have turned out a little bit different. See, after the London Games in 2012, you have to go all the way back, Michael Phelps' life was spiraling out of control. He was struggling, and because of his struggle, he turned to drugs and alcohol to numb the pain that he was feeling. He got apathetic towards swimming, and honestly, he just kind of got apathetic towards life in general. In September of 2014, he hit the bottom. He was arrested for his second DUI and was on the verge of losing everything. In the days after his arrest, he isolated himself and kept drinking. He later admitted this. Take a look at this quote from him. He said, I had no self-esteem, no self-worth. I thought the world would just be better off without me. I figured that was the best thing to do, just end my life. 
It's a pretty painful place to get to. But that's where Michael Phelps was. And this was before the Rio Olympics where he won the rest of the medals that he had. And at this point, he was already a gold medalist. He had already accomplished so much, but just felt so desperate and was just so, uh, had hit such bottom. And thankfully, he had friends and family that surrounded him and they, they believed in him and loved him and helped him check into a rehab facility. And it was there that he discovered that he could start over. See, someone gave him a book and this book was Rick Warren's The Purpose Driven Life. If you've never read it, I, I recommend that it's a great read and one of the best-selling books of all time because people want to discover the purpose that God made for him. And when he read this, it totally changed his life. He was able to reconnect with his estranged father that he grew up and had such a strange, strained relationship with. He got engaged to his longtime girlfriend and he actually got married and he had a baby. We got a picture of it here. That's, that's his child that, that he had. And see things, he was able to celebrate the birth of his son. He found a new sense of purpose and the experience and a renewed passion for maximizing his God-given talent. See, for Phelps, what began to have a story of regret and could have easily gone the other way, it became a story of redemption. It became a story of redemption. And here's what I want us to understand today is that God wants to take your story of regret and he wants to turn it into a story of redemption. God wants to take your story of regret and he wants to turn it into a story of redemption. So what is redemption? When we talk about that, what does it mean for something to be redeemed? Well, redemption is simply allowing God to take everything from our past, whether good or bad, the messes, the mistakes, the regrets, even our greatest pain, and he uses it for his good purpose. It's the Apostle Paul, who himself had one amazing redemption story, he wrote these words in Romans 8, 28. He said, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And that he know in all things, so we have to ask ourselves the question, in how many things, in, in some of the things, and the things that are kind of redeemable, the things that are mostly redeemable, but see, no, God said in all things, the good things and the bad things, the things that you wish never had happened and the things that you wish could happen again, the disappointing things and the things that even make you cringe, that God said he can work all of those things for our good to those who love him. And I want to get you this today. If you don't get anything else, maybe, maybe jot this one down. Is that sometimes your worst moments are where God can do his best work. Sometimes your worst moments are where God can do his best work. See, God wants to take you from a story of regret and take you to a story of redemption. See, God is a redemptive God. God wastes nothing. Matter of fact, God, this is something that God specializes in. God is a redemptive God. He is in the redemption business. Matter of fact, I think it's the core and center of who he is. You can even see this in the story of how he created man and woman, right? Made Adam and Eve and what happens? They mess up. They fall. They fall into sin. And what does he do? Does he just like wipe them out and start over? No, he redeems it. He sends his son Jesus to pay the price for our sins, our mistakes, mistakes our mess ups, our failures, and he redeems it. And we see this over and over and over again. The Bible is full of stories of people who are imperfect, just like you and me, living with life full of regrets, and he is constantly redeeming them. And something that's amazing, the stories that seem that they're too far gone, matter the ones that are just like, there's just no way, right? We just write them off. It's just done. It's over. That seems to be where God specialized the most, to be able to redeem situations that seem too far gone. 
And see, just like Michael Phelps, there's another national hero we've been learning about during this series, a guy who experienced a dramatic rise and fall from regrets and redemption, and that was King David. You might be familiar with King David. Many of us know him from David and Goliath. Remember the little shepherd boy? He was uh, out taking care of the sheep. Mighty Goliath comes. No one can take this guy down. Little, Little David comes in with a slingshot, does what an entire army is unable to do, slays the giant. Come on, somebody gets that sword out, chops the dude's head off. I mean, David was no joke. And it just launches him on this trajectory where he eventually becomes king. He, he just brings the nation to a new level. He dominates everywhere he goes. God just blesses everything that he does. And so we get to the point in David's story where things are great. He's on top of the world. I mean, he is the king. And there was a springtime and he should have been out with his men at war, but he didn't go with them this time. Instead, he stayed back at the palace and he was walking around on the roof and he saw a lady named Bathsheba who was bathing. His eyes were where it probably shouldn't have been, right? And so he covets her. He actually calls to her. She gets her to come. She's married to someone else. He sleeps with her, gets her pregnant, and then you just think the story can't get any worse to try to cover it up because he finds out she's pregnant. She sends for her husband, Uriah, who is one of his great soldiers and has him killed, right? Has him murdered to cover the whole thing up. He's trying to bury all of the regrets, trying to cover it up so that no one can find out about it. And he thinks that everything's good after his after Uriah dies, calls Bathsheba's console. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna marry the grieving widow, right? And we think it's all good, but then all of a sudden, God sends a prophet, Prophet Nathan. Doesn't this happen so many times? You think everything's good. It's just going to stay there below the surface, but boop, it up pops up, and in comes this prophet, Nathan, and he calls him out, and he says, you have sinned against the Lord. He calls him out on the adultery, on the murder, the whole thing, and David could have done something else. He could have ran the other way. He could have taken this prophet out just like he killed Uriah, right? But instead, he chooses to repent. He recognizes that what he has done is wrong, and see, the series for David has just been like coming out of this sorry cycle. This is something that we talked about, and thankfully this was something that he didn't get stuck in. But the sorry cycle is this. We regret something, whatever it was. For King David, it was really regretting what he had done, and maybe for you that's something that you've regretted, or maybe it's something that you didn't do, and we long for more. We want something else to come. We want to get out of this regret, but it's just like a broken record over and over again. It seems like we can't, no matter what we try, no matter what we do, no matter our best effort, we can't seem to get past this regret. It's like this tractor beam just sucking us right back in over and over again. We just can't get past this sorry cycle and we just keep over and over again living this regret in our head. So how do we get unstuck? We've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. The first thing we said, step one is this, you've got to recognize your regrets. You've got to stop hiding and stuffing them. We had an illustration with a beach ball where I tried to hold the beach ball down underwater up here. And it's a lot of work to keep that beach ball completely submerged and hidden and not recognizing our regrets is like that, trying to keep that beach ball submerged. And it takes so much work and so much effort. And then you've got multiple beach balls that you're trying to keep submerged and it's just impossible. It's it's exhausting. So the first step is simply to recognize our regret, admit it, be able to say that we have this regret. The second step is this, you've got to to release your regret. And this one has a lot to do with forgiveness. Maybe it's asking God for forgiveness for a sin or something that we've done where we've sinned against God. Maybe it's going to someone else who we have offended, who we have hurt, that we regret that we have done that to them and we ask them for forgiveness. Maybe it's forgiving somebody else who hurt us, who wronged us. Or maybe it's just looking in the mirror and forgiving ourselves and asking ourselves for forgiveness and releasing ourselves of that thing that we have done. 
And that's exactly what David does. He recognizes and then he releases his regret. And he cries out to God in Psalm 51.1. We read this last week. And he wrote this after this entire situation happened. He said this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. This was a man who had recognized and was willing to release the regret and ask for forgiveness. So today we're going to talk about the third step in our journey of redemption, and that is this. We're going to redeem your regrets. The third step is to redeem your regrets. And what does it look like to redeem our regrets? What does this look like? Well, for David, it be God began to redeem his regrets by giving him a new son. In 2 Samuel 12, 24, 25, this is what happens with David. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and made love to her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him. And because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. See, Solomon means God's peace. And Jedediah means God's beloved. And so as David was having his story redeemed by God, every time he held this little baby, every time he held this son and looked in his face, he would see that name of God's beloved, God's peace, and know that God was redeeming the story that he himself had done everything to mess it up. He couldn't have made it any worse, but God was still redeeming it. And see, he continues and he says, and he tells this to Bathsheba, as surely as the Lord lives, who delivered me out of every trouble, I will surely carry out this very day what I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel. Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne in my place. See, Solomon went on to do amazing things. And he wasn't David's only son, but he was the son that was going to follow David's king. He was going to be the king after him. And he constructs the temple in Jerusalem. Under his reign, Israel enjoys unprecedented economic success and peace with their enemies. Matter of fact, there was nobody as wise as Solomon was. He did amazing things. And ultimately, here's what's most amazing to me, is that through David's son, Solomon, through his line, Jesus, the Messiah, is actually born. I mean, just think about that for a moment. This total regret that David has totally messes up, has this guy killed, sleeps with someone who's not his wife, and then ends up marrying her, has a child, and this child now becomes the lineage of where Jesus, our Savior, comes through this amazing regret. This is how God specializes in redemption. And see, that's how God worked all things for good in David's life, even his greatest regrets. And God wants to do the same thing for you. Take your story of regret and turn it into a story of redemption. Friends, God wants to take your story of regret and turn it into a story of redemption. For the last couple of weeks, we've been following Greg's story as he first recognized and released his regret. And now he's about to redeem his regret. Let's take a look at Greg's story. So I remember wrecking my car and the next thing I know, I come to and I have no idea where I am, none. I'm looking around and I know I'm in some sort of hospital. I asked the guy um, where I was, one of the patients, and he told me I was in the state mental ward. And I just remember thinking, oh God, I gotta get out of here. And as I'm laying in this hospital bed um, and the nurses are asking me to, to you know, move upstairs into the, the, you know, the nut ward again, my only motivation at that point is I, I didn't want to hurt people anymore. 
I didn't want to hurt my family. I didn't want to hurt my fiance. I didn't want to hurt strangers. I just didn't want to hurt people with my life anymore. So I made a decision to go upstairs to accommodate their desires um, into, the, into the mental ward. But I'd made up my mind that the minute I get out that I'm going to, to take my own life. That's my worldview at that point. I'm in a mental ward um, and I know I'm going to take my life and I know there is no way out. So as I'm sitting in this, this mental institution, and there was a woman who um, obviously had more issues going on than just substance abuse, but she was coloring and she broke her crayon. And in breaking that crayon, she started shrieking and thought the world was ending and her life was over. And I was trying to explain to her that, you know, it's just a crayon and that the world's not ending and her life's not over. In that moment, it was as if God had just whispered to me that it might not be over for me either. And that was the first glimmer of hope that I had felt in years. I mean, years. The mental ward offered to transfer me down to a, um, a rehab facility in Florida, even though I'd been to a million treatment centers and I didn't think they could help me. That little voice of God that said, uh, maybe it's not quite over for you either, gave me just enough willingness to say, okay. I'm alone in Florida. Um, they, Every belonging I have, can, it did actually fit in a garbage bag. I'm kind of a mess at that point, so even though I have hope, my life, I shouldn't have hope. So if you look at the state of my life when I'm in Florida, I'm homeless, I'm jobless, I have a broken shoulder, and this charity of the treatment center is gonna run out soon, and, and then what? I, you know, I have nowhere to go and nothing to do, and so I shouldn't have hope, but God, just has a way of doing some pretty amazing things. And I remember sitting, uh, I was down there and I was at this bus stop, realizing that I can't fix all the things that I've done and I can't fix my own life. I also realized that maybe that's not what living is about. The point I'd missed the whole time throughout these years of even trying to follow Christ is that it's really not about me. Maybe it's all about God. And so maybe what I can do instead of regret all that I've done, use that experience to be able to relate with others and maybe help show them the way out the same way that someone brought me out. So I came up and I was able to reconcile things with my family and I went to uh, try and make things right with uh, my ex. Obviously that went well because today we're married. We have two children, a four-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son. The biggest thing that starting over means to me is the willingness to to not just let go of the past because it's not people always say that you got to let go and move on but it, you can't forget what's happened so I don't think that's the answer when I think about starting over what it's meant for me is to be willing to let go instead of the past let go of what the future is supposed to look like this whole idea that I need to that I need to know the outcome of how to fix things and say okay I am a drug addict I did lose everything like, I was this ugly person. I had these hard things happen. I did these terrible things. God, how can we use those to, to some sort of good? You see, God is not only using Greg now as an outstanding husband and a father, but he's helping other people who are struggling with drug and alcohol addictions. He's helping them start over. And that, friends, is what redemption looks like. And God wants to take your story of regret, just like he did for Greg, just like he did for David. He wants to take your story of regret and turn it to a story of redemption.
So we're going to take a look at three truths about how God redeems regret. We're going to take a look at three truths. And the first truth is this. Truth number one, redemption is something God wants to do. Redemption is something that God wants to do. It's not something that he has to do. It's not something that he begrudgingly does. He's not like, oh, Brian, come on. One more time falling off the wagon. Really, do I have to fix all this for you again? That is not God's heart or attitude at all. God wants to do something. He wants to heal your regret. He wants to come and do something amazing with the things that you think are just too far gone, that it's just too much a mess. He wants to do something. It's something something God wants to do. And none of us can redeem things on our own. I don't know if you've ever tried to fix something that you've messed up, right? You've just totally messed it up and you try to fix it. How does that work out for you? Usually it just ends up being a lot worse than if you just stopped where it was, right? It just never works out on our own. But without God, redemption seldom happens. But with God, we see this, and I've seen this time and time again. We see God redeem people's lives. We see we redeem people's stories that we see all around us. But with God, not on our own, it's a completely different story. I've seen people change, people's lives completely changed. I've seen Jesus change. I mean, people whose lives you thought their heart was too hard, their story was too far gone. I've seen it in my own life where I thought there was no way possible. I mean, there are some other candidate right? Someone who's like maybe halfway, they're not as far gone. God, you, that, that person's just, there's no way that you could redeem it. And I've seen God do it over and over and over again to the fact that it would cause me to want to move here with my family and start a church because we believe in God's redemptive power so much that we wanted to start a church that would see people who have stories that are broken, who need a God that loves them, loves them where they're at to not have to get everything put together, not have their act all cleaned up, that they can just come to Jesus right now where they are because God loves you because God has a plan for you because he has a purpose for your life and he wants to redeem your story. And now it's God's work, but we have a part to play in our redemption. Are you ready? Our part is simply to trust. Can you imagine being in a storm, maybe shipwrecked and you're out at sea and it's just terrible, the winds and waves and you're out there and you're drowning and Jesus just reaches out his hand to save you. All you can do in that moment is simply trust that he's got you. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that. I remember when I was really young shout out my family used to vacation at Nights Inn. Anyone remember Nights Inn? Come on. That was some plush Nights Inn. Come on, it was like purple and red royalty, man. We were there. And we used to actually stay at the Nights Inn right off the Bridgeville South Bay at exit. It's not there anymore. They leveled it, sadly enough. I don't get to take my children on that experience. So we were like, Disneyland. I'm like, Nights Inn, let's go, right? And so we used to go to Nights Inn. We'd stay in that motel. Like, I can just still even remember freezing in the, that air-conditioned room. It was so cold at night, but we just loved it so much. And then an outdoor pool, and we would just pretty much swim all day long in this pool. It was just like, till the pool was open, till the pool was closed, we were in that swimming pool at night's end. And I remember one time I was really young and I was swimming in the pool and I got a little too far out from the edge and I was towards the middle of the pool and I, I started flailing a little bit, right? And my parents didn't see, they didn't see me out there in the middle and I was like starting to go under and it's like the most terrifying, I mean, the fact I remember this, I was probably like six years old, but this has stuck with me. I was so afraid that I was gonna die and apparently there was this another guy, another adult, a dad, 
was there playing with his daughter in the water and he sees me and just so effortlessly just comes over, just grabs me and just pushes me to the edge so I can hold on again and catch my breath. And I remember him asking something about, you know, where's your swimming license or something like that. I don't remember exactly what he said, but I was just so thankful in that moment. And all I could do was just simply trust that this guy wasn't going to dunk me, wasn't going to keep me into the water, wasn't going to be like, oh, well, kid, should have learned how to swim. There goes another one, right? No, I could just simply trust that he was going to take care of me. And that's what we can do with God. Truth number one is redemption is something God wants to do. He's not going to leave you drowning in the deep end of the pool. Truth number two is this. Redemption takes many forms. Redemption doesn't look the same for everyone. For Michael Phelps, it was getting a 23rd gold medal. But even beyond that is what God did in his family as a husband and as a, as a father. See, redemption can look like maybe this. Maybe redemption looks like this for you. It looks like finding your way back to God. Maybe for you, you once had a relationship with God. Maybe you went through like religion classes when you were young or you were a kid. Maybe at one point you were following after God, but maybe life just began to happen. Maybe you had some regrets that were just too powerful and it caused you to turn away. You couldn't reconcile how a good God would let something so painful happen. So maybe for you, regret your regret and redemption comes from simply finding your way back to a relationship with with God. Redemption can also look like spiritual growth. See, some of the hardest times of my life was where I grew the most spiritually. See, the mountaintop experience, when we feel so close to God, that's rarely where the growth happens. The growth happens when we're down in the valley, when we're trudging it out, we're trying to figure out how am I going to get out of this? I need to get back in the mountain. I can't see where I'm going. And that's where the spiritual growth happens. And see, if you're going through something difficult, if you're going through a tough time, maybe redemption looks like some spiritual growth for you. Redemption can look like rescheduling. Sometimes God delays a giving you a gift because he knows the right time better than we do. And see, sometimes maybe, maybe you had a business plan. Maybe you were going to do something, an adventure you, adventure you were going to start. And it just didn't seem to work out because it wasn't God's timing yet. I've even had friends who got married and they wanted to have kids right away. And it just, it didn't happen to them and, and for them. And, and matter of fact, we've got some good friends at the church that we attended in Indiana, the, the Wiggins family. And they got married and they want to have kids and they couldn't have kids for years. And then something amazing happened. They went on a missions trip in Guatemala and they were working at an orphanage. And there was a little boy named Juan. Pablo who had suffered severe burns all over his face and they just fell in love with this little boy and they went to war to be able to adopt him and bring him home and it was just unbelievable the the hoops that they had to go through just to provide a forever home for this for this young boy and so they they went through it and they finally brought him home and it was amazing and I got eventually as he grew older I got to be his youth pastor and it was just so awesome but here's the amazing thing after all that and after all those years after they bring Juan Pablo home something amazing happens they get pregnant not one once but twice with their own biological children. And God did a little bit of rescheduling. See, they were hoping that would happen in their time. But because God delayed it for them, they were able to do something and provide a forever home to a little boy who needed it. See, that's what redemption looks like. Sometimes redemption can look like redirection. Sometimes God closes one door or he allows multiple doors to close so that he can open another door. I remember for us years ago, we, we lived in Memphis, Tennessee. Come on, somebody. Barbecue, right? Sweet tea. I mean, I'm all about it. I felt like, Lord, if you want to call me anywhere, let's, just, let's go. I am ready for barbecue the rest of my life. But see, we were there, and things were good for a season, but things went really, really, really south really fast. And we found ourselves in a really difficult situation, and people that we trust and that we loved and thought had our backs all of a sudden didn't, and we felt alone. We felt abandoned. We felt used. We didn't know what we were going to do. What were we going to do next? This 
is a mistake. This season must have been a total mistake. How could you possibly use this, God? And then in that season, God redirected us to go to Indiana where we would be around our family, where we would start our family. Then the most amazing thing happened. I thought I was done with ministry. I thought the hurt that I experienced in Memphis, which is God could never use me again. I didn't know if I even wanted to. But then God sent us to the most amazing church plant that was just a year old. And they were looking for a youth pastor. Oh my gosh. And here comes Brian, who is wanting to be a youth pastor. And it was just like this match made in heaven. And there was a pastor there, Jeff, who just loved me in the midst of my hurt, who was able to sit down just at the face value, very beginning. And just even before the youth pastor thing came up and just shared my hurt and how I felt hurt by the church and leaders. And and he was just so forgiving. And he just forgave for the people that he had nothing to do. He's just so sorry that you went through that. I'm sorry that you had to experience that. That wasn't God's will. And God took the redirection that I needed, thinking a season was ending terribly, and redirected me to somewhere where I needed to be. And matter of fact, friends, had God not redirected us to Indiana, we would have never been able to have been redirected here to Pittsburgh, the full cycle, right? God just brought us all the way back around, right? We went from Pittsburgh to Tulsa to Memphis to Indiana and all the way back to Pittsburgh to start Treeline because that is what God does. So many times in our stories, the things that we regret, God redirects them and does something amazing as he is able to redeem it. And finally, redemption can look like a chance to bless others. Some of the most powerful ministry opportunities come out of a season of redeemed pain. I was thinking about our friends, uh, the good, our good friends, the Rates family. Jason Rates, he came and spoke here at Treeline. They brought their whole worship band. Some of you got to meet them. Um, they also planted a church up in Michigan several years ago. They've been very good friends of ours. They, they actually support us every single month. Um, they believe in what we're doing here. But as I think about their story, and I think about their story of regret and pain, see, they have four kids, and two of their kids were born with something, a genetic disorder called PKU, and they can't eat any protein. Not like it'll like kind of make them sick. No, they, they'll die. Their body can't process it whatsoever. And see, not, not once, not one kid, but two kids were born with this. And it's extremely difficult to manage. They have to buy very expensive food that has all the protein removed out of it. It's very challenging. Now they have to raise their kids, which is hard enough, but now raise them and teach them how they have to weigh out their food and measure their food, how they track all the protein. It's incredible incredible amount of work. But see, something amazing happened as God redeemed this story to be able to bless someone else. See, little did they know as they were going through this, understanding, figuring out the pain that they were going through, the regrets that they had, that all the way in China, there would be a little boy named Kai who was born. And Kai was born with the same exact disorder, PKU. And he was put in an orphanage because either parents couldn't take care of him or didn't want to, or just knew that someone at the orphanage would be able to take care of him. And so he's there and, you know, having adopting a child with some kind of disorder like that, that's a tall order. But see, because they went through it, because they faced that pain, because they knew how to teach children to do that, God instantly opened up their hearts to this little boy. And it was so amazing to see how God did something amazing and redeemed. And now there's a little boy named Kai from China who also has PKU, who has two four brothers and sisters living in Michigan now. It's amazing to see how God took something, such a pain of regret that they went through and God used it to bless someone else. And friends, I can't believe that Kai would have found his forever home with this loving family had they not gone through that hardship with their other children. See, this is how God redeems regrets over and over again. And see, people who have suffered much often have the most to offer. How does God want to use and repurpose your pain, your story to help someone else? Ask yourself this way, who needs your story? 
Truth number three, redemption requires us to take the long view. Uh-oh, things are like kind of going good with truth one and two, then we get to this one. Redemption requires us to take the long view. What is the long view? The long view sometimes means it's going to take a long time. Sometimes we've got to have the long view. God always sees things from the perspective of eternity, not merely right now. And my experience is that God is never as big of a hurry as I am. Have you ever experienced that before? It's like, God, we need this prayer. And when do we need it? We need it now, right? And God's not always on the same timeline and same timetable as we are. And it's the same thing with redemption. Sometimes we've got to take the long view. And so when we talk about our story with David, David himself had to take the long view. See, his son Solomon, that would become king, he didn't show up right away. Matter of fact, Solomon was actually his fourth child with Bathsheba. I don't know what happened to the other three, but anyway, it took four to get to Solomon that would be the king to see his redemptive work, to see how God would redeem what was going on in his life. He had to see things from the long view. Sometimes it takes months Sometimes it takes years, and honestly, friends, sometimes it takes a lifetime to see the redemptive work that God has for us. But the Bible is full of stories of people who waited a long time. So if you've been waiting, you are in good company. But God works in his time, not ours, to redeem and to recycle See, I think of someone in the Bible like Moses. Moses was a murderer. He literally murdered an Egyptian guard out of rage. And God used him to set his people free. Matter of fact, he used him to do amazing things. Did absolutely amazing things for God. Why? Because God was able to redeem someone whose life was a total train wreck. He redeemed someone named Peter. And we've talked about Peter. Peter was a denier. He was following after Jesus. And then Jesus went to his greatest time of need. Does Peter stick up for him? Is there, does he have Jesus' back? No, the exact opposite. He's like, I don't know that guy. I've never seen him. Who is this Jesus person? And he totally walks away, denies he even knew Jesus. But then Peter, Jesus tells him, you are the rock that I'm gonna build this church on. He uses him to do amazing things. I think of Mary Magdalene, who was a prostitute. And Jesus used her in, her in his ministry. He did amazing things through Mary. Matter of fact, Mary was the first one to testify that Jesus had rose back from the dead. God used and redeemed someone's story, especially at that time who had no value, had no worth, was doing something that was unthinkable that people looked down on and he totally redeemed her life. We talked about Paul. Paul was someone who persecuted the early Christians. He didn't just persecute them. He actually hunted them down. And beyond that, he enjoyed it. He was a real sicko. He would hunt down Christians and kill them because they believed in Jesus. But did Jesus leave him there? No, he has this incredible conversion story, this incredible experience where he redeems his life. He uses him to spread the gospel, to get the early church going. The dude wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that we read today. God totally redeemed his life. Someone who used to hunt down and persecute, persecute Christians. Why? Because God is all about redemption. He redeemed all of these people. Maybe you've been praying for somebody. Maybe you've been believing for God to redeem someone else's life. Maybe there's someone who you've just been leaving to and maybe it doesn't seem like you can hold on any longer. It doesn't seem like it's gonna happen, but maybe you've just gotta take the long view. See, friends, starting over looks different for all of us. And I don't know what your redemption looks like, but I do know that God wants to redeem your regrets. And sometimes it starts with you simply taking a step of faith. 
at your seat today, there was a connect card. And I just want to challenge you that maybe for you, this is just simply taking a step of faith. And on that connect card, we'll give you a moment here just in a second, but maybe you need to make a decision to follow Christ, maybe for the very first time, or maybe to recommit your life to following after him. Maybe you're at a point where you need to make that step to go public in your faith and you have never been water baptized. Maybe you've never had that step of faith and I just encourage you maybe today to just check that on there, that, that you're going to take that step of faith, that you're going to go public in your faith, that you need that spiritual marker in your life. Maybe you need to find a group of people and your step is just to simply check, I need to get involved in a small group that you need some people to come around you and, and help write this redemption story, some people who you can share those regrets to, who are gonna have your back, who are going to love you through it, who are gonna pray for you and believe you and cheer you on and think the best of you, not look down on you because you know why? Because our small groups are just made up of people like me who are imperfect, who are flawed, who are mistaked, who lives are chock full of regrets, things I wish I hadn't done, things I wish I had done. And maybe your step is to get in a group and get around a group of people who will help you redeem that regret. Maybe you just simply need to write down your need for redemption on that card today. Maybe you just simply need to take that step and just write it down in that prayer request spot and allow us to be praying for you throughout the week. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that you are a God of redemption. God, it doesn't matter how great or how small the regret is. It doesn't matter how insignificant. It doesn't matter how great. It doesn't matter how long ago. It doesn't matter how recent. God, it doesn't matter if it feels like we deserve it and we have to go through it. God, no, you are a God who wants to redeem. So God, I just lift up every single person here today to you. Lord, I lift up every single person and the regrets that they have in their lives, the regrets that they have in their past, the regrets that they have in their family. God, whatever it is in relationships, in their finances, in their home, and their schooling and their career. God, we just lift up every regret to you, Lord, today. And God, we just ask you to have your way. God, we recognize that we are that person. We are that kid in the pool who is flailing, who's gonna drown. God, we just simply have to trust you that you have our best interest at heart. God, we're just simply gonna trust you with this regret that you are a God that can redeem and God, understanding that it might take patience, it might take perseverance, God, it might take the long view. God, I even pray for those today who may have been through unimaginable pain today. Maybe, God, maybe for the first time they're, they're seeing that spark that maybe you could use that regret to help someone else, to, to bless someone else, to help someone else overcome, to, to share their story and help someone else deal with what it was that they were going through. God, I just pray that you would just put your hand on that place today. Maybe that thing that they've just kept so hidden, so buried, and God, today you're saying, just give it to me. Just release it to me. Don't hold on to it anymore. Stop trying to stuff the regret. Stop trying to bury it. Release it to me. Ask for forgiveness. Give forgiveness to the person and simply watch God begin to redeem the regrets in your life. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you're here today and that step of faith for you is simply to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never said yes to a relationship with him before. God says in his word that we simply call upon his name. Anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved, will be forgiven. He washes us white as snow. He makes us new. He doesn't hold our sins or mistakes against us. It's simply saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need a savior. I'm out here flailing in this water and I just need you to save me. I just want to trust you with my life. 
Maybe you're here today. At one point, you said that prayer. You asked God into your heart, but things just got tough. Time just passed by. You begin to drift away. There's a million reasons, but none of that matters to God because God is still in the redemption business, and he is still here today as he has always been with his arms wide open saying, welcome home. So if that's you today while you're here, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you want to say yes to relationship with Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up while no one's looking around for the first time or a recommitment. Just raise your hand. Awesome. Is there anyone else? Okay, we're going to pray out loud together so that no one has to pray alone. Just simply repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for giving your life for me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we celebrate with those who made a decision to follow Jesus today? Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.